Have you ever had one of those moments in your life that everything changed? I mean, like, it, it was a defining, definite moment where things are different. Uh, you know, um, I graduated from college and went, uh, right before I graduated, I go to First Baptist Ada as the youth minister. And so, um, and I was, went straight from college to marriage. And, and it was a moment that everything changed. Because when I was in college, we, I lived in a, in a house with five guys in Shawnee. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was awesome. It was fun. We split the bills five ways. You know, that was great. Uh, water bill is pretty cheap, splitting it five ways. Robin would, uh, would never, wouldn't, wouldn't go to the bathroom when she came to our house. We struggled to keep that thing clean. Uh, there were some science projects that developed through that, uh, that uh, living arrangement. But... Uh, but it, but it was definitely a change when, when, I, when I got married paying those bills because I remember uh, getting those bills and looking around going, who am I splitting this with? Oh, man, I got to pay this whole thing. That was a change. Uh, also, um, I had a roommate in college, and his name was Jeremy Kubitschek, and Jeremy uh, was, was a real leader. And, and it was interesting as the guys that we lived with, uh, I had a lot of guys, there's several of the guys that were called to, to, to ministry and called to minister in the church. And then there were guys like Jeremy who was also called to ministry, but he was called to ministry through, through business. And so he was a great business leader. And, and, uh, and Jeremy actually has gone on to be this, uh, worldwide business leader. Like, for example, he bought John Maxwell's company at one point, and, and for a while was John Maxwell's boss. And that's weird, if you know John Maxwell, uh, because Jeremy, I, like, I've, I, I was in a house with him, and, and Jeremy was, a, was an incredible leader. Actually, one time, he was asked by the, the executive leadership at Quick Trip to come and teach their executives, and he came a little bit early and got to spend a morning with our staff. It was really cool. And Jeremy's written books and all these things. Well, Jeremy, I'm convinced, became such a great leader because of our house. Because here we were, all these guys in our house, all of us were pretty strong-willed. I mean, we, we all had opinions. And it was kind of like one of those situations where there's a whole bunch of chiefs and not many Indians. And, uh, and Jeremy de- developed this rule in our house when we would have house meetings that he would get this stick. And, and you couldn't talk unless you had the stick in the family meet or in the, in the house meetings. And so we'd be arguing about something. go, wait, wait, you don't have the stick. You have to wait till you get the stick. And I thought, man, that's a good idea. So when I got married, I thought, that'll be a good idea. And so I bring this into our marriage. And I, and I remember Rob and I have a first meeting and I pull out the stick and she took the stick and I've never seen the stick again. So it's just kind of part of that deal. But, but it was definitely a marriage was this moment that everything changed for me and life changed. And now to be honest, I, I, I love being married. I'm grateful that I married Robin. And, and that was honestly next to following the Lord, marrying her was the greatest gift God's ever given me. And, and I'm so grateful for that. But, but it was a moment of change. But, but I'll tell you, for me, in my cleanliness of our home, it's a lot cleaner. Our house today is a lot cleaner than it was with the guys. My life got better for the good because of this radical change that took place. Well, that's kind of where we are in the book of Acts. We're in this moment where God, in the history of the world, provides a radical change. And it's a change for the good. 
Now, if you have your Bibles, we're, we're in this series through the book of Acts. We're calling it Rooted because as believers in Christ, there are some important things that, that provide our foundation, that, that provide our roots in life and in ministry. And the Holy Spirit is one of those. We are a group of people that are rooted in the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, we call our church First Baptist Church, and sometimes people uh, equate that to a building. But, but let me tell you something. The church is not a building. The church is people. And we just gather here, and the truth is if a tornado comes through, uh, Owasso, Oklahoma wipes this building out, and let's say we can't even have a meeting here or, or a place here, we would meet somewhere else because we are not tied to this building uh, by any means. We are, the church is scattered. The church is people. And I love that about what the God has done. And we've got to not equate this our, ourselves with just a building. But in Acts chapter 2, it's this incredible moment of change in, in the life of the church. In this moment, the church begins. And look at the church. Oh my goodness, it's so amazing how, how all over this city, all over the world, churches are gathered, believers are gathered to communicate the gospel, to, to be a witness, to prepare for ministry in, in, in the world that we live in. And it's amazing. And this is the moment in Acts 2 when the church really began. And it's phenomenal how Luke unveils this. And Luke, the author of the book of Acts, helps us discern and understand the beginnings of the church. Now, it's important for us to, to recognize this chapter. This is one of the most important chapters in all the Bible. And sadly, it's one of those chapters that has become the, the biggest battlegrounds, one of the biggest battlegrounds throughout the church, throughout history. Because in this passage, you see um, Christians even dividing between pro-charismatic and anti-charismatic groups. And, and we see this living in the Tulsa area because, you know, this is a, a city known for charismatic roots and all these things. And it's important that as we study the Bible, as we open God's word, that we put aside our traditions and we allow God's word simply to just speak. So often we come to the Bible and, and we don't allow God's word to shape our thinking. I say it like this all the time, that, that there are many times in my life that I've held beliefs and I've had, there have been beliefs that I've held passionately. And I've come to understand that those beliefs don't match up with the scripture. Well, in those instances, when that occurs, I am compelled to change my beliefs to line up with scriptures, with the scriptures. And there are times in my life that I've had practices in my life, that I, things I've done, and the Holy Spirit will convict me, God will convict me, and, and reveal to me that, look, this practice does not line up with scripture. Well, we're a group of people that are compelled to change our beliefs to line up with the word of God. That's who we are. And that's how God has led us. And I want to challenge us as we open the word today to Acts chapter 2 that, that you are a learner today. That you don't just say, okay, I know this passage. I've heard about it. I've heard it preached. I, I've heard stories about it. I, you know, I have opinions about it. But you allow the Holy Spirit to enable uh, all of us, and I'm, I'm saying this to me too, that we are, we are not reactionaries, but we're learners. And that we, we allow the Lord to, to speak. Now, it's important that we recognize that when these believers in Acts 2, 
uh, as they had, had experienced these incredible things, they, they watched Jesus, as, as we know at the end of the Gospels, Luke is writing this, and he records the end of the Gospel, Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. And then he appeared to his disciples. Now, this changed their lives. This was transforming for them. Now, now the disciples and the early believers, they didn't see themselves as starting some new religion. They, they were Jewish, and they were going to continue to be Jewish. And, and, and they saw Jesus rising from the dead and conquering the grave and being with them as simply, well, amazingly, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. So they were continuing to be Jewish. Now, now the Lord, Jesus, when he was with them, he kind of got them out of their comfort zone because remember he says in Acts 1-8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, hey, they got that. Jews, man, they, they knew the Jews. They could relate to the Jews. Judea, okay, okay, Jesus, we, we can do that. Judea, yeah, uh, Samaria, Ooh, wait a minute, Jesus, Samaria, that, that's out of our comfort zone. Those are half Jew, half Gentile. People saw them as, as outcast or, or not worthy. But Jesus said, no, I've come for the Samaritans. And then I'm going to send you to the ends of the earth. That's all the Gentiles. That's us. And, and that was uncomfortable for these guys initially. But they were like, all right, Lord, we'll follow you. We'll do what you said. But, but then we learn in Acts chapter 1 that we've been studying over the last couple of weeks that they were told to go to Jerusalem and wait. Now, Passover had taken place about five, five weeks earlier, 40 days earlier, and, and, and now comes the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. See, Pentecost is this Old Testament um, ceremony, this Old Testament celebration. And what we see in Acts chapter 2 is God makes this Old Testament celebration a New Testament celebration. A moment when, when God moved in a supernatural way. And, and, and it's important that we, we catch that and, and look at this significant moment. Would you stand with me as we always do as we read the text today? We're going to read Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 12, and, and let's, let's look at this significant moment in our history, in, in the history of the church, and this is, includes us, and it's such an amazing moment. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? 
Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to, another, to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking, saying, they are filled with new wine. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, you may be seated. Now, now what, a, what an amazing moment. Now, over the next, uh, really, three weeks. Uh, next week, we're, we're going to take a little break from the book of Acts because we have a guest here, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But, but this week and two weeks from now, we're going to unpack Acts chapter 2. And what an amazing moment. What an amazing uh, moment in, in our history, in the, in the history of the church. And, and, and it's my conviction that, that you can't fully understand this passage without understanding the Holy Spirit. Now, now, in this moment, you see the Holy Spirit who is at work. And, and, and the first thing I want you I want to note is that, is that all through Scripture, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is only, the word Holy Spirit is only mentioned three times. It's, it's, only, it's mentioned once in, uh, in Psalm 51.5 and twice in Isaiah 63, 10-14. That's the only time the word Holy Spirit is mentioned in the, in the Old Testament. But all through the Old Testament, you hear the terms, the Spirit of the Lord, my Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit of God. It, it's all through the Old Testament. And so I, we, we've got to understand that this is not the first time in the history of God's people or the history of the world that the Holy Spirit moved. Now, now we, as we in, get, encounter this passage, we have to understand the Holy Spirit, now, the first thing about the Holy Spirit, if you have your notes, follow along. I hope you will. Um, but point number one today is the Holy Spirit is not some distant force, but is personally working in the world. You see, there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. In our culture today, we, we kind of go, oh, the Holy Spirit's like Star Wars, like the force in Star Wars. May the force be with you kind of thing. But that's not what the Holy Spirit is like. The Holy Spirit is not some distant kind of thing out there that, oh, it's mystical and out there. Now, now we got to keep in mind that our walk with Jesus is, is supernatural, not natural. Now, don't miss that because it, it is a supernatural work that you and I can interact with God. We can listen to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is at work, and we live in a culture that is so smart and that has created all kinds of things. And when we say things like, God spoke to me, we have a culture that goes, really? Are you kidding me? Okay, whatever, man. But I got to tell you that it's normal for God to speak to you. The Spirit of God speaks all the time. And, and it is absolutely normal for us as believers to live every day with the Spirit of God moving in us and leading us and speaking to us. Now, it's, it's important to remember that the Spirit of God's been at work for a long time. Like, for example, I'm going to give you uh, some biblical uh, precedents here. The, the Holy Spirit had a significant role in the creation of the world. Genesis 1-2 says this, that at the very beginning, the Spirit of God was working, and, 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 and he's clearly mentioned in, in Genesis as, as he is the cre creator and working. The Holy Spirit inspired men who revealed God to men. 
either in word or work. And it's the Holy Spirit that is working through men. Now, Peter wrote about this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he writes this in verses, I think, 10 through 12. He writes this complex verse about, uh, in his book, he says, the prophets, he talks about the prophets who spoke of the things that have now been told to us. These prophets searched intently and with the greatest care. And they were trying to find the times and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, that these prophets, they would, they would lean into the Spirit and the Spirit of God would lead them and they would write these things down that took place hundreds of years later. Truly, the Spirit of God has been working for a long time. Now, the Holy Spirit enabled and empowered men to do things that were humanly impossible. Remember the book of Judges? I mean, Samson, we, we read about Samson taking the jawbone of a donkey and killing a thousand men in defense. The Spirit of God came upon them. You, you, you see all through the judges, the Spirit of God moves. You see uh, in, in Saul, remember Saul, that, that the Spirit of God was moving in him and, and he was the king. We studied 1 Samuel a couple of uh, months ago and, and, and then the Spirit of God left him. So you see this temporary moving of the Spirit all through the Old Testament. You also see the Holy Spirit demonstrate the power of God uh, through men and, and the presence of God among men. You see, see God's presence being revealed. And all through the Old Testament, the Spirit is at work. Now, now turn back with me real quick to Acts chapter 1, just one, one chapter pre previous, and, and I want you to see what Jesus had said to them had said to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, he says, um, do not leave Jerusalem. And that's where the disciples are in this moment. They went back to Jerusalem. And he says, but wait for the gift my father promised. So they were to wait, and that's what they were doing. The disciples in Acts 2 are waiting for this promise. And he says, that which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they were waiting. And can you imagine these disciples anticipating? I mean, they knew Jesus was going to keep his word because here they had watched him go to the cross, rise from the dead. He hung out with them for 40 days or so. And, and as he's teaching them, as he's talking to them, he's got their attention and he says, okay, I want you to go to Jerusalem, wait. They had gone and done that. They had filled um, Judas's spot, Matthias, in Acts chapter 1. Matthias took Judas's spot. They're waiting, and look what Acts 2 says. Acts 2.2, 2. suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Can you imagine that? You're sitting there with the disciples, you're, 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 you're wondering, you're, you're waiting for the Lord, and all of a sudden, it comes in. What, what if that happened in this room? Doors flew open, you know, and, and a wind rushes in. You'd be like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Verse 3 says, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them. Can you imagine that? Just right in front of you, boom, divided tongues of fire appear. And then it rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it'd be like this. We'd be sitting here, and, and all of a sudden, this wind rushes in, and, and, and it's crazy, and it's, it's, it's like, oh my goodness, these fire appears, and then a fire bolt, I guess, hits me, and I start going, hola, como estas? Este es un día increíble. Me habla español completo. Oh, my goodness. That's not Spanish. Oh, my goodness, it's not Spanish. Stacey, do you know what I said? Okay, that, that's actual Spanish. I didn't make that up. Man, I've never done that before. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. I speak Spanish. Um, but, but that's what happened. The first service was awesome because right over here, Rob Vincent was here, and he speaks Russian. And I just said, start speaking Russian. And he just did. And I was like, I'm just kidding. He speaks Russian. But, but, but what was crazy is these men all of a sudden started speaking other languages. Well, then what happened? Point number two is my favorite in this whole message. It's this. When the Holy Spirit works, we can't stay in the house. I love that. Because God was starting to work. And what do they do? They leave the house. They're like, we got to get out of here. We got to go down here. Because here's what had happened. Is God had, 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 it was a perfect time because all these people from all kinds of nations are gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. And, it's, and they're all coming to the city, and they're coming from everywhere. And what is the Feast of Weeks? It's the celebration after Passover. Passover is the moment when, remember in the Old Testament when, when they were in Egypt and, and, and the, the death angel came through, and if they had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, then they were passed over and they survived. But if the blood was not present, the oldest child was killed. And so the Jews developed, and, and this goes all the way back to Exodus and Numbers, they developed the celebration of the Feast of Weeks as a, it was, it was about four or five weeks after Passover. And what they would do is they would celebrate all that God had done. They would celebrate the harvest because God had provided a wonderful harvest. And what an incredible moment that Jesus said, go wait. They don't know how long. And, and all of a sudden, as they're celebrating all that God had done with their harvest, the disciples come out proclaiming the works of what God had done with salvation, with Passover. And, and what an amazing moment. Now, now, Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit was coming, like, like in John 14, 16, and 17. Remember, G, the disciples understood this. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. And I want you to notice this. Look at this on the screen. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so, see, we, we, we got to understand this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a him. It's the third person of the Trinity. And, and this is something you've got to understand about the Holy Spirit. 
It's not some impersonal force. And when he comes and moves you, he moves you to your feet. He moves us to act. And all through history, the church has been moved to expand their reach, to to advance the gospel. And this is who we are as a church. And I love it that in this moment, as we uh, conclude this vote about expanding our reach into Tulsa, God has us in this passage that's what the church is supposed to do, advance the gospel to the world. And see, every church, we got to get out of our little house and get into the world where we're planted. And I love it. And, and, and you know, you got to understand how the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is active and, and is a person that's moving in us, that is living in us. Now, it's interesting about this passage because um, some people take Acts 2 and they make salvation a two-part story, a two-part journey, where they say, okay, first of all, you're saved, then you wait on the Holy Spirit at another time. But see, right here, this is a miracle. God is doing something that he's never done before and he's not done since because we know that salvation individually, that the disciples, they had already been saved. They were already going to heaven. They already believed in Jesus, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have believed in him if you watched him, you went to his funeral, and then you saw him, he taught you, and you'd be like, hey, I'm in. I believe you. You're God. They were already convinced he was the Savior. But this this Holy Spirit indwelling is not a moment of salvation for the disciples. It's a moment of power to be a witness. You've got to remember that when Acts 1-8 says, I'm going to give you power, power for what? power to be a witness. And what they do, they go outside and they become a witness. They stand up. Look at verse 5. He says this, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. At the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. And look at this, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, I want you to see this. And, and, and I've, I've always heard that this is only a miracle of hearing. But I think it's a miracle of speaking, too. It's a miracle of speaking. We see in Acts, in, um, in, in verse 4, that, that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were able to speak in other languages. And they did, and they spoke in other languages. You know, um, I I have learned Spanish. It was my minor in college, and I'll never forget this moment. Um, When I was in Ada, I had kind of started to lose my Spanish because I had finished college, and and I had been, I was was in Ada about a year and a half. And uh, there was a group of ladies in our church, and they were praying for our church. And... um, and one was, it was interesting because she wasn't a member of our church. She was a godly, charismatic lady in town, but would come every week and pray for First Baptist Ada. And, and, and I would go pray with them sometimes. There was a group of ladies, and, and she looked at me once and said, you have the gift of tongues. And it freaked me out. I was like, I, I, I mean, I had respect for this lady, and, I, I, she, and it just kind of freaked me out. And I said, well, I can't, I can't fake it. So when I prayed with her that day, I didn't pray in some unknown tongue. I prayed in English, and I prayed. And, and, um, and then I left that prayer time. And later that day, I went downtown Ada. I was downtown at this store, and, 
and there was a Hispanic lady there. And, and I began to talk to her, and I shared the gospel with her. And I don't know if you've ever learned another language, if you've ever tried that journey. But there, it's really cumbersome at first because you're thinking in English, and you're trying to speak in Spanish, and it's just, like, cumbersome. But when I went to talk to her that, that day, it was one of the first times in my life that I just, I understood. And I communicated the gospel to her. I thought back to what that sweet senior adult charismatic lady said, you have the gift of tongues. Because see, right here, this, I believe this was a miracle of speaking. These men were able to speak this language. Now, now it was also a miracle of hearing because verse 8 says they, they were all amazed. All these people from other languages were amazed because how is it that we hear each in our own native language? They knew they were Galileans, so it's likely they were speaking their language with a kind of a hick accent because Galileans were kind of known as, man, you're kind of a hick guy. And, but, but the truth is they were able to speak these languages, but then they were, other folks were able to understand in their own language. So it was a miracle of hearing. But look at this. They said in verse 11, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So what did they hear? They heard this mighty work of God. What was that work? It was the fact that Jesus, the Messiah, whom many of you have come to celebrate Passover, that Passover has come. Forgiveness is available. Do you know the blood, the sacrifice has been made for you? And see, the Holy Spirit from this moment on has been faithful to communicate that message, and he will until Jesus returns. And see, what, we've got to understand that this is not, um, uh, you don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit when you're saved. Like, it, it's my prayer that someone here, you come to recognize your need of salvation. Well, well, that's what they were proclaiming. They were saying, look, Jesus came, he died on the cross, and he was the perfect sacrifice, and, and you're a sinner, and, and he came to wash your sins away. He died. He rose from the dead. We are witnesses to his resurrection. And you can be saved. And we're going to get into this message next in, in two weeks. But, but I want us to recognize that, that salvation occurs when you trust in Christ. And from this moment on, the Holy Spirit then indwelled, lived in the lives of, of us, of believers. Like Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, Paul writes, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit that guarantees your inheritance. And I want you to know that, that from this moment on, it was a miracle because the Holy Spirit began to remain in the hearts and lives of believers. And he does that today. You know, the Holy Spirit is here today. And if you've come to faith in Christ, do you know that he lives in you? And he gives you power, not only to make it through the day, but more importantly, uh, not only to make it through tough times, but more importantly, he gives you the power to be witnesses. This is why we gotta get off the couch. That's why we gotta get out of the house. 
And, and point number three today, and I, and I love this about the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit works, he will communicate with people. He communicates the work of God. And you and I get to be a, ambassadors for Christ where we can communicate the hope of Jesus to a world that, that's dying and lost without him. And it's my prayer that, that we are bold, that we are faithful witnesses, that we experience the power of God in us and through us as we serve him, as we take steps of faith, as we walk with him. Is that where you are today? See, the Holy Spirit, when he moves, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. And I want you to know that today the Holy Spirit is available to you. The Bible tells us that, that the Holy Spirit would be the one who would indwell us and who would be our con the continual presence of God that you can know every day living in the presence of God, understanding his will, walking with him. Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would teach and guide his followers and he did this, and he does this today. I think about how Jesus has guided me this week and has strengthened me this week. This has been a challenging week as we have faced a funeral and gone through some difficult times with a family that has been just been having a tough time. And God has helped us, and the Holy Spirit leads us. And, and this is normal life every day. Jesus said that, the, that, that he will give us the power, the Holy Spirit will, will give us the power to fulfill the Great Commission. And, and this is something that, that we're called to do as a church, and that's why I love the significance of this day, because God is giving us a call, I believe, to step out into the unknown, to go where we've never been before. But yet, this is just the life, the adventure of following Jesus as we are a church that fills the great, fulfills the Great Commission. And, and I want us to understand, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit is the one who actually performs the act of our salvation. That Jesus saves us and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And what is so amazing is we get to be men and women who walk with God and who experience his work. Don't you wanna get to the end of your journey of life. Don't you want to cross that finish line uh, when it comes to the day you draw your last breath? Don't you want to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I got to be a part of what you did? Who wants to stand before the Lord and say, look what I did? No, we want to be a church that says, Lord, we got to see, we got to live every day walking with you, experiencing your power that's at work within us. Folks, we're called to live by faith. The disciples knew this. They understood this call to live by faith, and, and, and they, they listened to the Spirit of God. And from this, from Acts 2 onward, the Spirit began to indwell and remain in the hearts of believers. Oh, that's why I want you to know him. If you're here today without Christ, Oh, come to know him. Know what it's like to have the Spirit of God living in you and guiding you. Come to Jesus today. Don't miss the amazing gift of salvation today. Like, there were people that missed it, verse 13. As they're watching, they felt that wind. They saw these works. They, they, they looked around. They saw, they, they, these are Galileans. They're speaking. Oh, these guys are drunk. That's what they thought. Oh, I don't miss, don't, don't blind, be blind, blinded by this world. Turn to Jesus.
That's what you're looking for. He's the hope that's available to you. You know, we're going to have an invitation, and I love them, and I, we're, we're called to respond to the Lord. And I want to ask you to stand where you are. Maybe you need to come and come to Christ. Maybe you need to join our church. You know, you don't, maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you're one of those believers that you've been kind of on the bench. And the Holy Spirit has been at work in your life saying, hey, look, I'm speaking to you. I want your attention. Maybe you've been just pushing his voice away. Come to Jesus. Listen to him today. We're going to have some staff members down front, and you can come and talk to one of us. But my prayer is that you listen to his voice. Lord Jesus, move in us and lead us today.